In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second day, Sunday of Abib, and today's Bible reading is one of the most beautiful readings that we see in Scripture. It's one of those readings that sets Christianity apart from other religions. Uh, but it's counterintuitive to the human wisdom and contradicts the system that we face when we exit the church and go into the world. However, it is consistent with God's wisdom and it's a cornerstone of Christian spirituality. And what, what is this that we're talking about that we read today? To become as little children in order to advance in the kingdom of God. This is something that's very unique in Christianity. So the apostles in a mere moment of weakness, when we look at the context in which this was said, asked who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They probably saw that the um, that our Lord Jesus Christ was giving a lot of attention to St. Peter, St. James, and St. John. They just came down from the mountain of transfiguration, and maybe they felt a little bit vexed by it in a, in a moment of weakness. But we, would, we shouldn't get too bogged down by it, of course, because uh, after all, the apostles asked who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, so at least they still had their hearts and minds in the kingdom of heaven. But Christ answers them, and, and very gently, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So then, what is what are the qualities that the little children have that we should also aspire to also have? Uh, so we'll talk about a few of these. The first one is that a very young child has simplicity. Simplicity in heart, of course. Indifferent to glory, indifferent to possessions. Uh, if they don't receive glory or possessions, they don't have impatience, they don't have envy if somebody else receives it. If they have glory or possessions, they don't lose their humility. Um, this is how we were created. This is how we were when we were very young as well. We learn envy, we learn impatience, and become prideful because we have something someone else doesn't have. A child is free from this, free from pride, free from envy, free from feelings of revenge. A child is simple, eager to forgive when even they're wronged. And a child doesn't desire the riches of the world. You know, if you ask a child what he most desires, he's not going to mention to be the richest person in the world. Whatever you give a child as a Christmas gift, for example, or a birthday gift, they're very happy with it. And a child doesn't know the difference between an expensive or an inexpensive gift, right? I'm talking about the young children. Childlike simplicity of heart also means that we're open to guidance and advance to be led, right? And so we should also ad admire that and we should seek after that, that they're willing to take direction and get advice from those who know more. A child will take the hand of their parent and have utter trust that the parent will lead them into safety, the father or mother. The child trusts that the parent will feed them, clothe them, and put them to sleep every night. Never questions that. Has every trust in that. As it says in Psalm 131, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. We need to have this kind of trust in our Lord that quiets the soul and brings peace to our soul. Simplicity, of course, though, does not mean that we should not see greater understanding and of Scripture or heavenly matters. On the contrary, in the, also in the book of St. Matthew, in chapter 10, it says, Christ told them, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be like babies, but in understanding, be mature. 
Christianity is a thinking man's and a thinking woman's religion. We are meant to think. Wisdom and simplicity describe perfectly the apostles and saints. So on one hand you have wisdom, on the other hand you have simplicity. Wisdom and simplicity are like brother and sister, they're not to be separated, and we're supposed to have both. Let's see what happens when one has one or the other. If somebody, for example, has wisdom but doesn't have simplicity, then we'll read what Saint Paul descri- how St. Paul describes this person in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are all futile. So they are cunning. People who have wisdom but no simplicity. They're cunning. They're tricking. They they have trickery for selfish ambitions, of course. And they call wisdom, they call this wisdom. And but even though it's not the wisdom as we define it. Therefore, that's why Christ said, Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We are asked by our Lord to understand the cunning and the trickery to protect the body of Christ, which is the church, our families, and everyone else, uh, as, much as, po- as much as possible, but not to act in the same manner. On the other side of the coin, simplicity without wisdom is kind of like a type of foolishness which is prone to error and to prone to be tricked or, or fooled and prone to a lot of mistakes. As in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Because they would accept teachings and false teachings without testing them. So godly wisdom and simplicity are consistent with each other and should always accompany one another. And if one has one and not the other, it always leads to a type of destruction. So we should always seek both wisdom and simplicity as little children have. Second, a very young child has humility. St. Agathon, uh, one of the Desert Fathers, used to say that the crown of Christian virtues is humility. Another Desert Father was asked, what is humility? And he said unto him that asked the question, if your brother offends you, and you forgive him before he can repent apologize and apologize to you, that is humility. So if we forgive them before they even apologize or repent, that is true humility. A person with humility considers others better than himself. They, they are very quick to forgive. They're too busy evaluating themselves and being aware of their own conduct and their own shortcomings rather than that of others. So humility is knowing the truth of the matter, that we're sinful and fall short of God's gift of grace and unworthy of it. Even in the height of our strength, we fall short of this grace, this gift that He gives us, and we have to rely on His grace and mercy. So in light of this truth, how can we judge and forgive or hold bitter grudges? Sometimes people uh, hold grudges for years and years. How can we do that when we know our own shortcomings? On the other hand, arrogance blinds. It robs those who have it from common sense and even makes them uh, act foolishly. So humility is another virtue that children have. Third, a very young child has purity. And what is purity? So again, we consulted the Desert Fathers. What do they think purity is? And they have a nice quote. Um, One of the fathers says, Purity is remoteness from anger and from the error of remembrance of evil things. So we have all those evil things in our mind. We're trying to stay away from the remembrance of those. And not having a bitter nature, but reconciliation with our enemies. 
peace which transcends a troubled heart, and simplicity of love which is above this world. So when we talk about purity, we know that, of course, it's, it's not having a sinful heart and not thinking upon sinful things. But it's even more than that. It's a quality of the king of kings himself. <clears throat> For example, in the story of St. Joseph, we find that he was very pure. He was tempted, but he also was very pure and overcame the temptation. He was betrayed by his family into slavery. He was tempted by the master's wife. He was thrown into prison, but he was pure and was elevated to Pharaoh's throne because of his purity. <clears throat> it makes us kings and queens, as it allows for the king of kings to shine through us. That's what purity does. But sin, as it says in Proverbs chapter 7, has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. The story of the, uh, there's a story of the artist using the same person, and I think I might have mentioned this before. It's a nice story, though. So an artist went out, and he wanted to paint a picture of Christ. And so he found somebody with a, like a very angelic face, pure-looking. <clears throat> and so he took him, and he, and he said, can I, can I use you as, a, as an illustration of Christ? And the guy was, of course, very flattered. He came, and he painted uh, Christ using this gentleman's face. So he finished, uh, and it took him, you know, he was dabbling in, in, the, in the painting, and it took him like a year, right, to finally finish this great painting. And then he came, and he wanted to paint uh, Judas in that same, um, that same painting that he was doing. So he went around looking for somebody with a troubled face, an impure-looking face. And he went and found somebody, and he said, Excuse me, sir, may I use you to paint Judas? He says, Don't you remember me? I was the same one you used to paint Christ a year ago. And the guy was shocked by it, right? And he still used him, and of course, uh, the painting turned out really nice. But what does that mean? There are times when we are pure, and, we, and there are times when we are not pure. What is the difference if we're the same person? How is it that one time we're pure and one time we're not? What is the difference that have happened in us? And we can see it in others as well. Sometimes people do good things, and sometimes they're, they're not so good. So what is the difference? It's how we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we cooperate with God, other times we do not. It needs to be practiced and not just read or heard about. Purity needs to be practiced. It's not something that we should just think about and hope that it comes to us, but we need to actually labor and work on it and also um, and, and take these practical steps. <clears throat> when we don't practice it, we find that we're overrun by stress and troubled and very troubled hearts and it affects our continence and our even our health sometimes. When we practice purity, we're able to tackle the whole world. We see things clearly and we're not deceived by impurities and we have clear direction in our life. Sin isolates us from God and from others and from ourselves. Christ says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the verse immediately after today's reading, verse 10, Christ says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little children. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the, my Father who is in heaven. Their angels always see God. Purity unites us with God and ourselves and with harmony with those around us and also allows for reconciliation with others as well and allows us to see God and to see the truth. So how then do we attain these three qualities of these children that we should always aspire to? Firstly, simplicity, purity, and um, and humility. How do we how do we obtain these things? <clears throat> we 
we first have to realize that the world has instilled inside of us the opposite of these things, the opposite of these virtues. So we need to first take proactive steps and measures to remove these contrary obstacles to obtain these childlike qualities that we've lost through the years. So we shouldn't just talk about it, but take some active steps, even some, some, even some very small ones, the best we can do. First, we should cut off all the sources that hinder all these childlike virtues, whether it's friends or technology or even jobs. If we work at a bar, maybe we should seek a uh, career change. Uh, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with other people, with humble people. Do not be wise in our own opinion, as in Romans chapter 12 says. Friends are probably the biggest obstacles or benefits to the spiritual life. Obstacles, if they're not leading a spiritual life, very beneficial if you surround yourself with spiritual friends. Fill the time with positive activities that stimulate these childlike virtues. Reading is one of the greatest of all qualities. It's amazing sometimes how um, Christians do not read, right? Especially we live in a very educated society. We have the blessing that everyone in this room knows how to read. And um, we should always be reading something spiritual in our life. Well, not just the scriptures, but of course scriptures as our first and foremost. But also we should read other spiritual books, maybe books from the church fathers. If you need some suggestions, let me or some of the servants know. But always have a book on your nightstand. Always have a book nearby. Uh, even if you have to use a, a technology to do so. But you should always be reading. Um, that's why we always have the book clubs in our church, right? To, to kind of encourage us to be reading. Reading is an excellent quality that allows us to change for the better, to gain understanding, to allow us to filter out false teachings that exist in the world, um, and to give us perspective and direction in our life. It links us to the saints, especially when we read the writings of the saints, it links us to them. So always, always be reading, and that's an excellent quality to regain those childlike virtues. Self-evaluation, provide some time for yourself to evaluate your life and discover what's working and what's not working. Analyze the relationships in our life. Um, how have we been behaving towards others in our sphere of influence, whether it's our children or people at work? What is hindering us and what's helping us to live simply, holy and spiritual lives and humble lives? Thirdly, we should pray. Pray at home, pray at church, pray at work, pray everywhere you are. Father Matthew the poor used to say, when you stand before God boldly, God cannot bear it. He grows weak before the sinner and is overcome. As if, right? As if prayer can overcome the almighty creator of the universe. But it, that's how God's humility is himself. When Moses, for example, was interceding for the sinful Israelites, God was about to destroy all the people and Moses was standing there. He was the only one holding God back. And he said, Lord, forgive. Why, why should you abandon your people? Forgive them. And God responded to Moses, leave me alone for my wrath. Leave me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them. Have you ever seen people fight and somebody's holding back? Another person is like, get out of my way so I can go fight this other person. It's as if Moses, through prayer, was able to hold back the creator of the universe, the omnipotent, all-powerful uh, Lord, right? And But that's how powerful prayer is. It's, it's able to hold back even God because in His love and humility for us, as if it were, quote-unquote, it weakens God, and God always yields to prayer in His love and humility for us. 
as if Moses was holding back God, right? Prayer is effective and heals the soul. Also, others pray for, um, like, uh, like when you ask your father or confessor to pray with you, or ask others to pray for you, and ask the saints and angels who love you and are encouraging you in this life to pray for you as well. And we find a lot of strength in this prayer, as the Bible teaches us. Number four, we should also struggle. We need to struggle to regain our childlike virtues. It's not easy. And, you know, what the world has programmed uh, through a lot of their effort, we need to program, unprogram us through effort as well. We need to struggle. And a little bit of a struggle is not a bad thing. We start a spiritual and internal warfare inside of us. Pope Shenouda used to say that if one overcomes the wars that are inside, he or she can easily overcome any kind of external wars. Every struggle has its own reward, and God even looks to the struggle as itself a virtue itself. And He has rewards for those who do struggle. So these virtues of simplicity, humility, and purity are like are childlike, but they're also godlike. It's interesting that a child has the same qualities as God Himself. One of these qualities of a saintly person you may encounter in the church. You may see a childlike person in the church. Someone who's simple and humble like a child. Always willing to consider other people's opinion and doesn't insist on their way. Holds others in high esteem and doesn't judge and has no hidden agenda. These are the childlike virtues of simplicity that we should have. And of course it doesn't contradict our spiritual and and mental understanding and uh, wisdom. Children and those who are like child are like children in, in godliness are our unexpected models in our life. They become our models. We learn from them as we seek to return to God's to those God-given qualities. We look at how the story today, Christ brought in a child and set them set this little child in the midst of all of the apostles and set the child by his side and said, this is the model. This is He was creating an image for us <clears throat> to follow and to say, this is the model of Christian perfection. But the world deprograms and teaches children as they grow older to lose these godlike qualities. Christ, Christ brought that forward, that child, to show the apostles that pattern of simplicity and innocence and brought the child to stand immediately next to him as if the, the child was um, like be, saying that this child is like-minded just like me. Follow, follow what this child does. So after he gives this, the standard of, this ch- of how we should be like children, in, in purity and in humility and in simplicity, uh, that we should achieve uh, all of these things, he gives a warning to rouse the mind to be awake and careful from the offenses that take away such qualities. Because there are many offenses in this world that take away the childlike qualities, but God forbid that they be from Christians from us. He foretells that the offenses would still be in the world, and that we would have to face them. And if we face such offenses with patience, even if we stumble because of these offenses and get back up, we obtain benefit from these offenses, like Job and Moses and Joseph and the apostles and all the saints did. Offenses will provide that greater reserve of strength and virtue if endured with courage and faith and are overcome with the grace of God rather than somebody who never faces these kind of offenses. But our Almighty Lord Jesus Christ also posed a very frightening and warning to those who commit offenses, especially when it offends children and to those who are humble like children. 
were warned not to be the cause of those offenses. As he says in verse 6, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom offenses comes. These are very frightening statements and shows us the, the purity of children is of a utmost urgency and utmost importance to God. That we must create environments that foster their healthy growth, whether at home or in our schools or our social circles, and most importantly in the church. All of these environments must be conducive to bringing up children in a pure and healthy manner. For offenses must come, but God forbid they come from us and we should always be on guard against it. Today we only read through verse 9, but in chapter 18 it goes on to further emphasize this point. He says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their safety is first and foremost physically, but also mentally and spiritually as well. And of course, we as Christians care most about our spiritual well-being, so we should care about the spirituality of, of children which is why we need to be very careful of what we watch at home in front of children, what we listen to at home, how we conduct ourselves, our lives around the children. All of these environments must be conducive to bringing them up in this healthy and pure manner. So God help us to remember and to work to recapture our childhood humility, purity, and simplicity so that we may enter the kingdom of God and be called great there as these children were. And we should be called great by him who deserves all glory forever. Amen.